Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to The Catch with John Fisher on Blog Talk Radio, connecting life to faith. To get it together, trying to help the fellow man, hoping we can make it better. Do you really think we can? Well, it's time, it's time again for Blog Talk Radio and The Catch on uh, Tuesday night. And I hope you're doing well and glad to have you with us, whether you're listening live or uh, whether, you know, most of you listen to us uh, as a podcast uh, on down through the week. And so we welcome all of you to our show tonight. And uh, especially we have a very special guest, uh, a good friend of mine who I haven't seen in some time. We, we uh, we used to I was just joking with him we we used to have uh, lunch together at least every four or five years <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and it's been uh, ten he says ten now I can't believe that long since he moved to Indiana from California that we won't talk to him about that and uh, mm-hmm. uh, but you know Steve is uh, author he's a uh, Counselor, he is host of the most popular Christian counseling uh, radio show going on syndicated stations and satellite radio, all kinds of stuff. Um, But to me, he's just a really good guy and a very honest person who who, uh, has uh, actually reached out and cared for me over the years, which I really appreciate. Um, so I, I want to welcome to Block Talk Radio, Steve Arterburn. Steve, welcome. John, it is really great to be with you. And um, my son, Solomon, is 11. I told him I was going to be on radio with you. He said, well, before he starts asking you questions, why don't you sing him one of your favorite songs? I said, all right, I think I will. So if you'll indulge this, I'll do my best. I mean, I have no music in front of me, so here we go. Still life, we were always meant to live a still life where everyone can see our real life. Be still. And know I'm gone. Or something like that, John. But it's one of my favorites. Never forgot it. Wow. How about it? Steve, I had no idea you had that kind of a voice. You have a beautiful voice. (laughs) Well, I, you know, I used to, uh, before I spoke, I used to, you know, go to camps and stuff and do music. And um, I'd always take John Fisher music with me. It just worked. I always loved it. And um, <laughs> I've always admired your musical talents, your writing talents. And now you're a broadcaster. That's pretty special. Well, it's just kind of 
kind of, you know what this is, Steve. It's really my opportunity to share with our Internet audience, um, which I write to every, every morning, five days a week. Um, and we have lots of stuff going on now uh, I have to tell you about later. But um, it, to share with them some of my favorite people that I have had the chance to get to know from my travels and, and uh, various conferences and churches and places I've been around the country. So uh, it's just special for me to be able to uh, have an excuse to gather some of my favorite people. And you are definitely one of them. And uh, well, thank I'm just so thank glad to guys. have you today. You know, uh, Tell us, you know, for the peop- for for our listeners who are not familiar with your show, can you tell us a little bit about what it is and what you do uh, on your on New Life Radio? Well, every um, weekday at uh, 10 a.m. California time, 1 p.m. Eastern, we're on Sirius XM channel 131. And that's 12 Central, of course. And we have a one-hour show, and uh, I do it with um, a couple of uh, different everyday psychologists, therapists. And um, it's one of the few one-hour shows on uh, Christian radio. We're on about 200 terrestrial stations. And then um, if you have direct TV, there's a network, there's a cable channel called NRB, and we're on that. Um, But... You know, we we just deal with the reality of of life, and so many people, you know, they're they're miserable, and or they're hurting, or they've been mm. hurt, and uh, we're there to try to give mm. some, you know, wise counsel. We don't quote scripture every time somebody calls. You know, we don't believe that that's um, uh, sometimes it is, but you know, uh, one of my favorite mm-hmm. verses, kind of a challenge to me all my life, has been Jeremiah. 614, where it says, um, and this is Jeremiah talking a couple of thousand or 3,000 years ago, saying, they treat the deep wounds of my people with superficial treatments. And uh, and he says, they don't even blush mm. at doing it. And so often uh, we run into folks who say they're Christians or pastors, counselors, leaders, and uh, someone will come to them with something like, uh, I'm in this marriage, and my um, my husband hits me. And they'll get some kind of advice like, well, you know, if you'll just pray and be patient, God will change mm. him. Well, that's that, that's just stupid. That w- That would be like, my husband told me to stand out in the middle of a freeway. Uh, there's no difference. You, you would never do that. You wouldn't say, well, you know, I'll just do that and pray he'll ask me to come back in before a truck comes. You would never do that. That's silly. And so, you know, the, of course, in that situation, the, the priority would be get get safe and get your kids safe. And then what that does mm-hmm. is that um, that causes him to to look at the reality of his life versus enabling evil in your home. So we really try to go beyond the superficial. You know, Mm -hmm. uh, there's a great proverb that says, when you wink at wrong, you cause trouble. But an open rebuke brings lasting peace. So it's when we confront 
the reality versus mm-hmm. try to cover it up, hide it, lie about it. When we confront it, then we've got a chance to truly bring peace to that household. And a lot of people think that God honors the peacekeepers, but God doesn't honor peacekeepers. He honors peacemakers. And sometimes you have to disturb mm-hmm. the peace to make peace. And it's not easy. It takes a lot of courage, and you need mm-hmm. a lot of encouragement from other folks. So we just try to, John, to deal with the tough realities of life. We're all fellow strugglers. We don't hold ourselves up to be any better or worse than anybody else. And um, and we, re- I've, I've been doing it, well, New Life, it's our 30th anniversary. And if you want to hear the program, it's easy to hear. We have an app that you could download. Go to the App Store and download the, the New Life okay. app, or you just go to newlife.com either one and you can hear the program okay we'll remind everybody about that the new life app and the newlife.com um and these kind of problems come up um a lot on the on the air and you're able to actually give people counsel like that well we are we you know we believe in three things uh, we call the first one true truth not God's truth interpreted to fit someone's agenda or their bias, but really trying to discern what was it that that Jesus meant when he said it or when God inspired that truth. And then that truth in redemptive relationship. A lot of people have relationships and they act like they're good or whatever, but are any of them really redemptive? Do Do they bring about some redeeming value to your life. Well, if you are living out the true truth in redemptive relationship, then you're going to get to experience something uh, that not everybody does, and it's called transformation. So truth, relationship, transformation, or connection and transformation is what we're all about. So, you know, we don't try to help people feel better. You know, sometimes you need to Mm. feel worse so that you'll make the changes and, and change your trajectory mm-hmm. so that after a period of time, you're going to experience this amazing transformation, 180-degree turn. That's what we are here for. Wow. Um, you know, uh, for about, oh, I don't know how many weeks now, we've, we have been um, going through the 12-step program. Yeah, I've been mm-hmm. I've been writing on each each one of the steps. I think we're around eight eight and nine right now, um, and we've been talking about it. I've had guests on on the show every week to talk about it. Um, I I had a feeling that with your counseling experience and with your kind of hard hitting way in which you go that. You you would be pretty familiar with the twelve steps and 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 maybe what has been your experience um, uh, with the twelve steps? Uh, well, can you tell um, us a little bit about that? Yeah. Uh, first of all, uh, when I was going to seminary, I was um, I was a guest columnist for the Fort Worth Star Telegram, where I was going to seminary, and uh, the psychology dean at the seminary would see my articles and I kind of became his pet student. And so as a master's level student, I got to go to a lot of doctoral things. And one of the 
the first things that I encountered in seminary was a comprehensive doctoral course on uh, self-help groups, groups that some people these days may have never even heard of, like Daytop Lodge and Narcanon, and which is not not associated mm-hmm. with Al-Anon or AA or anything, and um, and and then of course uh, Alcoholics Anonymous, and uh, it was just quite uh, an eye-opening experience for me and when my parents uh, went to a Southern Baptist convention one time they came back with an album entitled God uh, is not dead and it was by a recovering Jewish alcoholic recovering alcoholic who uh, her name was Gertrude Bahana and I I had never heard a Christian who was Jewish I'd never heard a Christian who said they drank we were Southern Baptists and I'd certainly never heard someone open up uh, their life like that. I bet I listened to that album a hundred times until it was left in the back of the car and it warped. Wow. But uh, I, I knew what recovery was all about from her. And um, and so I, I was steeped in it. And then I went to work while I was at seminary at a psych hospital that changed over to an alcohol and drug treatment center and I went out to uh, California to Laguna Beach that's where I was some of the training was done mm-hmm. uh, in 1980 and um, I went to my first AA meeting and uh, there was a gentleman there named Chuck C well this was Richard Chamberlain's father who was one of the the gurus in the early uh, in the beginnings of AA and and of course uh, Bill W is went to that same meeting from time to time. And so that was the background. So when a, a publisher came to me in, uh, I believe, oh gosh, well, anyway, it would be about 27 years ago. He said, if you had one thing you could do, what would it be? I said, I'd like to create a Bible that would integrate the 12 steps. All 12 steps are based on scripture right out of, uh, you know, the foundation of them. Dr. Mm-hmm. Bob and Bill W. Was, were members of the Oxford group. And, and so it's, it, you know, the absolutes of absolute honesty, absolute purity, uh, absolute self, uh, uh, you know, unselfishness and absolute love, foundation of them all. And um, I said, I'd like to create a Bible that would integrate all of that. And so I put together uh, about a 200-page proposal for this Bible. And in a meeting at Tyndale, uh, Dave Stoop, who I had written books with, he had also submitted a proposal, and they discovered they had two different proposals, asked if we'd work together. We did, and we created the Life Recovery Bible. It's the 25th anniversary. Now, they thought they'd sell about 100,000 into a few prisons. We just sold our three millionth copy of the Life Recovery Bible. Wow. It's the best-selling recovery Bible, and we have life recovery groups all over. And uh, and so I'm deeply steeped in the biblical basis of the 12 steps. But mm-hmm. even after that mm-hmm. Bible was created, I was still drinking. And um, I never had a, a drunk driving charge or anything like that. But working with alcoholics, I knew something about alcoholism. And that was it had one characteristic. And every alcoholic I worked with um, had one thing in common. And a lot of people would say, no, that's not true, but it is. And what they had in common was they had a high tolerance for alcohol. Some, you know, like I, I would work with a, a young girl 
uh, 14 years old who could drink a fifth of vodka and still talk to you rationally. Now, that's not, that's not a psychological problem. That's a physiological anomaly that she inherited from her alcoholic parent. And so I noticed one day my tolerance was higher than it had ever been. And, and I just had this moment of clarity. A lot of people, they hate that this is how I hit bottom. But it was a moment of clarity where I said, you know what, I think I've had my share. Because if I had continued to drink, you can't continue to control alcohol at, at a high consumption level. And so um, I, I never drank again after that. And, um, hmm. and I'd been in recovery in Al-Anon and, and other recovery groups. Uh, but that's when the, I started working the 12 steps with the alcohol-ism. Wow. And uh, I was just very yeah. fortunate that I just had that insight. Okay, had my share. That's all it took. Hmm. What do you think that the the twelve you you must having put a Bible together? Um, do you think the twelve do the twelve steps have something to say to all of us? I mean, people who who aren't alcoholics or maybe would maybe not even think they're addicted to anything. Well, of course, the 12 steps are, they're just a character building program. I mean, um, is it beneficial for everyone to say that they cannot live their life under their own power, that they need God's power? Uh, is it beneficial to say, I think I'll, <laughs> yeah. I'll surrender, I'll let God uh, have power over my life? Is it good for me to reflect and to um look at the impact my behavior has had on other people and and if it's been hurtful uh ask for their forgiveness try to make restitution for it uh, everything everything along the way is a biblical principle um you know i i went to one of the most fundamental su- uh fundamentalist workshops it was a bill gothard seminar when i was in college and the thing that turned me around, changed my life forever, was when um, after about the fourth night, you made a list of all the people you had harmed, and you you made a commitment to either call, write, or in person ask for their forgiveness and try to make restitution. Now, in a million years, I don't think Bill Gothard would have ever thought he was he was encouraging people <laughs> to do a little bit of twelve step work. But he was, and it changed my life. So, so it, it we, the motto or the slogan uh, for the Life Recovery hmm. Bible and the books that go along with it for anyone, because it's true. Great. Wow. Okay, here's here's my big question for you, Steve. Um, how come? Uh, how come I have a feeling that people in AA are telling me the truth and people in church are mostly faking it. Mm. Well, because uh, so often we have a culture of church. I wrote about this in toxic faith book. I wrote years ago. We have a church culture where the goal is to look good. You know, I was raised in a family where if you could, if you needed to lie to make Jesus look good, that'd be okay. <laughs> be an okay deception, <laughs> and um, and I would just say this: that years ago, Miller, and Bruce, um, mm. I believe Bruce Wilkins, I believe it was, 
wrote uh, a book on the edge of adventure. And there they wrote that an AA meeting is more like what the church uh, is supposed to be like. And they said even the neighborhood bar is more like what church is supposed to be because you go into a bar and you say, man, I blew it. I messed up. Somebody put their arm around you. Well, that was years ago. I, I think now it isn't exactly the same because people – I mean I was in a growth group, just a, a simple growth group. Uh, a couple of years ago and you know people would come woman is dealing with temptation to have an affair her husband's sitting right there another guy i got drunk last night i've got to stop this people were dealing realistically with their Mm. because it was a safe home group but you know my wife she's been in a 12-step program al-anon i don't know almost 20 years and she facilitates three groups at the church where I'm a teaching pastor, Northview Church uh, in Carmel. Mm-hmm. One is, is a, it's called Recovery Girls on a Friday. The other one is Pure Hearted for young women trying to stay pure while dating. And then the third is Whole Hearted. And this is, this is a group uh, of women with sexual integrity problems. And they're married, they're Christians, and they're coming to the church to confess and to get support and help over infidelity, wow. pornography all sorts of things. Mm-hmm. And so I would say, uh, you know, our church, well, we're a unique church. We have 10 campuses. Three of those campuses are in prisons. So when when you say AA is where people are being truthful, I guarantee you, you go to our prison church campuses, they're being real there. Mm. It's, it's pretty phenomenal yeah. to be a real live church in a prison. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this is good news. I'm really glad. I'm really glad to hear this. How do you think that that has become the culture of of those of your church in those churches? How do you think that's happened? Well, it happened because, because it is, we have a senior I, I pastor. No, we have a senior pastor who has a heart for hurting people and who who has a heart to deal you know, with what people are dealing with. We just did a series on the tough questions that people have. And, um, you know, he addressed pornography. He addressed homosexuality, the the, the best truth-based, grace-filled approach I'd ever seen from any pulpit. Uh, I, and mm. there were five in the series. The one I did, Dave Stoop there from Southern California came out, and he did uh, alcoholism and uh, drug addiction. But I, I did the one on abortion because I had paid for an abortion. Mm. And uh, so, so you know, we just did all of these really tough issues because that's the kind of man he is. It's the kind of heart he has. Uh, anybody wanting to see that series, you could go to northviewchurch.us. And uh, we have about 10,000 people. And in addition to all the other stuff I do, I'm the teaching pastor there. And it's just one of the greatest blessings of my life. I love to preach. And, uh, you know, when I was in Southern California, I would fill in for Rick Warren. He would call me on a Friday and say, I'm sick. Can you fill in? I was absolutely great privilege, but this is really an amazing, amazing church here in Indiana. I mean, when you have three campuses, it costs about a hundred thousand dollars to put a church in a prison. Um, you're not doing that to increase tithes and offerings. Uh, but this big giant <laughs> church, we 
we uh, I think it was 1,300 people came to Christ last year uh, through our church. So it's really doing a great thing. That is great. Wow. Um, I, I you've, you've really whetted my appetite for that series. What what was that again? Northviewchurch.us. And uh, you go to the, you know, past messages on at, on the website. Uh, they have an app also. But you go to the, the messages and look for tough questions. And you'll okay. see some really, really tough questions addressed there. Wonderful. Wonderful. Well, you know, I guess I guess one of one of the things that one of my questions was was how can we bring these things together? How how can we get church to be more like an AA meeting or more honest? And I think I think in a way you've 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 said what I what I think it really does have to happen from the top down, doesn't it, Steve? Well, it does. That you kind know, of honesty. Um, yeah, we were doing a, a New Life event in Oklahoma, and uh, we were there uh, Friday, and then we did our event on Saturday. So we went to the Celebrate Recovery meeting, and uh, the pastor was the one who was leading the meeting, senior pastor. And he gets up there, and he says, you know, I'm Pastor Bob. I struggle with uh, control, power, ego, and lust. Well, the way I grew up, any pastor that said out loud, I struggle with lust, I mean, there would have been a, a deacon's meeting that afternoon. He'd be gone. But but he was leading the recovery group, being open and honest about himself, and that's what it is. And so you, you've got to be willing to sacrifice your image for the, the healing uh, of people, to create a safe place for people. And, uh, you know, yeah. you, you don't take your image to heaven. The image stays here. And um, and good luck with that. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, how can we apply uh, some of these things to our to our own life and our relationships? Mm. Uh, I'd yeah. like to kind of we only we don't have too many minutes left, so. Mm. Let's kind of get it down to what what can we do to walk more honestly with the mm. people around us, our family. Yeah. Well, I w- I would just say this. Um, you know, Dave Stoop and I have we're partners. We've written, spoken. We're still doing stuff together after all these years, and um, we believe that the reason we're together and almost every other writing, speaking duo has split up is this little phrase that you find in the 12 steps and we practice these principles in all of our affairs. And we do that with each other. We're open and honest and, and we admit it when we have blown it and we, we try to make it right. And so um, if you were, were to ask me for like, what's the best advice that fits every situation (laughs) that comes up uh, and it's right out of the 12 steps, um, literature. What is that advice? It's just do the next right thing. Uh, you don't have to worry about you know next year, tomorrow, whatever. But right now, what do you need to do? You need to do what's right, and you need to have the courage to do what's right. And if you don't have the courage, you need to get a couple of people together and tell them, "I don't have the courage to do this. 
I don't have the courage to say, I will never see this woman again that I've been having an affair with. So I need you to help me with that. And together, uh, we can do anything. God says, I won't give you anything you can't handle. Well, he doesn't say that you can't handle alone. He wants us to be in Mm. community. James 5, 16, confess your sins one to another and pray for each other that you might be healed. The prayer of a righteous man avails an awful lot. So uh, that's what I would say. Do the next right thing. Confess. Be open. Be sure somebody in this world knows your whole story. Hmm. Ooh, that's a good one. Be sure someone in this world knows your whole story. Okay. Well, Steve, this has been really great. Uh, I appreciate you taking your time and uh, giving us some wonderful things to ponder here. One last thing, Jeremiah, what was that scripture um, that we started with? 614. Jeremiah 614. 614. Can you quote that one more time? Quote that one more time. It it says that they, they treat the deep wounds of my people with superficial treatments. And they, they don't mm. even blush when they do it. Mm. Mm. So let's let's learn to treat the deep wounds of each other with uh, honesty and love and openness. And mm-hmm. I think that's the way we do it. That's right. Okay. Well, Steve, can't thank you enough. This was great. Well, thank you, John. Keep up the good work and, you're doing uh, here, buddy. Well, I will. I will. And you got to call me next time you're you're out here. Okay? You got and, it. cuz we got we got to do another lunch. Absolutely. Okay? Yeah. All okay, right. Okay, Steve. Thank you so much. God bless you. Thanks, John. God bless you. Yeah. Bye-bye. Well, folks, there you go. That was wonderful. Do the next right thing. And be sure someone knows your whole story. That's my takeaway from today. And uh, and then I love that verse in Jeremiah. I hope you enjoyed our show. I hope you keep on. Uh, sign, sign up for the catch. Get it every day. Um, it's going to be good. It's, keep it, keep it, keep it going. And uh, we uh, we just. We we love all of you guys. Keep keep up the good work and tell us what's going on. All right. Thank you.